0: my turn to take the lead. I am
1: so not prepared for this. Come on, Sam. Look at the bright side. This can't be worse than Angie and Bigfoot.
0: (laughs) Okay. Wow.
1: Rude. I'm just saying.
0: Hey, enough. First of all, don't pile on Angie like that. Second, I don't interrupt any of you. Now, Blue Cheese Bigfoot was great, and the Ghost River Triangle is a big poop, but it's not the poop we're here to discuss. We haven't had the chance to dig into my particular area of specialty yet. Pirate queen time. Just about. We're almost there. She enters this tale eventually, but before we can get to her, we need to talk about the greatest secret in the Caribbean Sea, the holy grail of the early 1700s pirate golden age. It's time to talk about the game changing historic Spanish treasure on board the Urca de Lima.
1: Okay. Questionable use of historic.
0: It was real. The, the Urca de Lima carried a history-changing treasure in its hole that shaped the golden age of piracy in the 18th century. That era we all know. Any pirate worth their salt was connected to this thing at one point or another. Benjamin Hornigal, John Silver, Captain James Flint, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, everyone. Personal
2: favorite pirate. Gee, I wonder why.
1: Okay, even you
2: can't deny Anne is a sapphic legend.
1: Okay, fine, she is,
2: but how is this relevant? It's always relevant.
0: And in fact, Anne Bonny's romantic adventures are uniquely tied to many of the key players in our tale here. There are some rumors that Bonny was romantically involved with the Pirate Queen herself. Ha! All right, now, in July of 1715, the Urca de Lima departed Havana bound for in Spain. The treasure contained within was rumored to be worth about five million in gold and supposedly also had some separate object that we can get into later. The Urca was the largest member of the king's treasure fleet, the one whose plundered wealth fueled the era of pirates as we know it. In the latter half of 1715, the Urca sustained damage and beached on an inlet in Florida. Now, the recovered logs cite a storm as the cause of the crash, but I believe the cause was the pirate crew of the Walrus, a ship led by the aforementioned James Flynn.
1: Wait, Ron, um, this might sound like a silly question, especially coming from me, but have you considered that the recorded documentation that says that uh, the cause of the wreck was a storm might be right?
2: Oh, come on, Luisa, you are the queen of doubting official
1: statements. Right, yes, of course, but when those statements are coming from third-party sources, who usually have ulterior motives for coloring the narrative. A first-hand account from the ship's captain, though, uh, that feels pretty reliable to me.
0: Uh, maybe it would be reliable if I had reason to believe he was telling the truth. First-party sources have more reason to lie than anyone when it suits their needs, such as, let's say, not wanting to be executed for pirates successfully attacking your ship.
1: But, wait, what's making you think this is my question, because the ship has already crashed and beached. What reason could a captain possibly have for hiding information at this point?
0: Well, he would have a reason if his ship was secretly carrying five million in gold when the official number says the pirates plundered only 87,000 pounds. And here's where we enter into poop territory. The ship was possibly carrying a priceless artifact, the Golden Donut. Oh, it's not a goddamn donut!
1: Are you kidding me? We can't do one episode without this being mentioned.
0: Anyway, mind. The, fleet, the fleet being run aground by pirates would have been a huge embarrassment for Spain, considering English privateers had spent a decade messing with their fortunes, and the Spanish were already pretty pissed off about pirates.
1: Again, not a donut. <sighs> right, okay. So do you have any evidence for this wreck that doesn't have a donut being pirates and not, like, the store?
0: You think I'd come unprepared, devoid of evidence?
1: Well, Angie did.
0: Hey. hey
2: I had evidence. You were too busy interrupting. Maybe if you just had a donut you could listen better. You, you, are, obsessed you okay. are obsessed with oh,
1: donuts. You are obsessed with donuts. Oh come on. Chill. Stop it. And stop it. No, no. Both of you. We are not doing this again. It took you two 10 minutes to calm down last time. Mm, fine. Run, run, please continue.
0: Thank you. Right, so, we only have the captain's logs for a first-hand account of what happened. However, because the ship ran aground, it was an easy and frequent wreck for salvage operations. These operations brought in many outside parties without direct ties the captain of the Spanish Royal Fleet would have had. In other words, people who don't have reason to lie due to embarrassment... And maybe if he was hiding the presence of someone or something else, that was important. But anyway, records from one such uh, third party gave a detailed description of the grounded Urca. Quote, the hole and keen had been smashed asunder clean in the middle. Blackened wood splintered along the shore. To the bow, a hole cleaved in the port side. Her main was ruined. The fighting top snapped in ruined pieces, barely kept together by the rigging. Details are right there, black and white. Black and wood, hole in the bow, the mast snapped. The ship was in a fight. If I had to guess, they tried to seek shelter in an inlet because of the attack and ran aground.
1: Okay, I hear you. Uh, That actually makes sense. But we have to think about all of the moving parts here. If they were under attack, would an experienced captain, and I mean, we have to assume that this was an experienced captain because the king wouldn't have had anyone less at the helm of the supposed crown jewel, the treasure fleet. And side note, I'm not even convinced about the treasure part. In fact, that's the part that's bothering me. But, I, well, I'm, okay, I'm running into a tangent. My question is, would an experienced captain carelessly run aground if they were being attacked?
0: This is where the storm, I admit, does come into play. It would cause limited visibility and would explain how the pirates got the jump on the Irka in the first place.
1: Okay, hold on. You don't get to pick and choose the facts of the story when they're convenient to you. I
0: didn't pick and choose. I never denied the presence of a storm, just the idea that the storm was the cause for the ship running aground. There are solid rumors otherwise, and the records to back him up.
2: And just like Louisa said, We're assuming this is an experienced captain. Weather in the Caribbean can change in a few hours. Any experienced captain of the time must have known this and known how to read the weather. And also looking at that, so this crash happened later in the year, right, Ron?
0: I don't have an exact date, but it was a few weeks after it departed harbor, which was in July.
2: July. That's hurricane season. And right before August, which... Anyone who frequents the Caribbean would know that's the height of the season. So why would an experienced captain set sail right before the most dangerous time to be on the Caribbean seas? Unless there was something in the hull of that ship he or his boss, the king, were concerned about just sitting in a harbor four months in the heart of pirate territory.
1: Angie, did you just use our own logic against us?
0: Maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> she did, and she's just getting started. Now I'm just getting started. I suspect the walrus to be the pirate crew behind the actual attack of the Urca de Lima because of the revenge, a Spanish man-of-war, which reported seeing her in the same area around that time. But Flint wasn't the only pirate looking for the Urca. Months later, in December, Charles Vane took a crew containing Ann Bonnie to capture a Spanish mail ship. Why would they go after a simple mail ship carrying nothing of monetary value unless they knew that by intercepting Spanish communications, they could find the location of the Urca and whatever important donuts may be hidden on board.
2: And, And they were looking in December after hurricane season because Vane and Bonnie, being the prolific pirates that they were, They knew that there was the chances of another Spanish ship getting to the Urca in the height of the hurricane season was slim to none.
1: Okay, this whole five million in gold treasure seems too good to be true. And I'm not even starting with your other theory. (sighs) Yeah, actually, I'm going to look into that, into the golden uh, warrior, and I'll get back to you later. Um, But when I looked up the Urca de Lima, all I found was records of a cargo ship not even a whisper of anything else. It was carrying chocolate, vanilla, sugar, nothing about treasure. Not that chocolate isn't a treasure, mind you, but, you know, nothing about gold treasure. I mean,
2: that's exactly what you would say on a manifest if you wanted to hide five million in gold and a sacred donut linked to gay assassin
1: nuns. Why? Why? Losing my mind. Losing uh, my mind. Oh, my.
0: We, we have to assume, hey, we have to assume an experienced captain uh, after twelve years or so spent dealing with privateers and pirates would, you know, know how to fake a manifest.
1: Okay, it's official. I do not like it when you use my own words against me.
0: Oh, you brought up his experience. Okay, so from here from here things get a little foggy about which pirate crew actually secured the treasure this keep fact is my main focus at the moment some say henry jennings and charles vane took it after the incident with the mail ship some say uh ann bonnie and calico jack rackham secured the treasure sometime much later we know the spanish had an improvised camp around the Irka's wreck for months based on logs but what we can be certain of is that the pirates did eventually get the treasure because shortly following the wreck and the recorded attack was a time of strife in Nassau that eventually gave way to unprecedented wealth and prosperity. This, this is when Nassau was established as the historic pirate capital we all know today. I think the earthless treasure, poop and all, was at the heart of it. But that's a whole other story worthy of its own session. And Angie, that's when we talk about our pirate queen and the golden donut at the heart of this sucker.
2: Yes! Lady pirates are always at least an eighth on the Sophic scale.
1: Did they actually have half an argument in there? I know! I can't believe it either! Well done, Ron!
0: It's all about, about
1: donuts. the donuts! Son of a bitch!
2: Cannon Fodder is part of the Fundamentals Network. Cannon Fodder is produced by the Fundamentals. Editing by Corey Shrek. Sound mixing by Corey Shrek. Directed by Corey Shrek. Script by Diana Ramsaran, Alejandra Meneses, Bo Costa, and Corey Shrek. Voice cast Diana Ramsaran, Alejandra Meneses, Bo Costa, and Corey Shrek. Special thanks to Thaddeus Stoklos.